Welcome to Digging the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and teacher trainer and founder of Space to Meditate. Well, good morning, John. Great to see you again. As, Greetings, as, Doug. As always. <laughs> How are things up there today? Oh, they're, they're good. Feeling yeah. wintry? Yeah, it's uh, got a beautiful sunny day. We've got a little bit of snow on the ground, so it feels like it's almost wintertime. Until it goes up to 60 degrees tomorrow, but, you know, yeah. at least in New York. I, like, yeah, I, don't, I don't think we'll hit 60, but, you yeah, know, it's crazy. it would be nice. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the topic today? I had on one of my videos a few weeks ago, I had a question by a viewer, and the, the basic thrust of the question was, why Buddhism? That's a perennial question that's, that's interesting, and one that uh, I don't think we've a- sort of answered recently. You know, I mean, there are lots of ways you can live in the world and lots of different ideas and thoughts and all the rest that you can make part of your life. So, why Buddhism? Why Buddhism in particular? Yeah, why not? (laughs) Why not? Yeah, so that's the end of the show. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. I think we all come to it from, and we've we talked about this actually in our first or second episode. Right? Yeah. We we all come to it for for in in different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is a good question. It's a question we could always ask ourselves. And I know I know various people who had been practicing for years and then decided they didn't really want to identify as such. And I was one, I was one of those people who who would would say, well, I I practice Buddhism, but I don't consider myself a Buddhist. Right. I, I think probably more, I, I don't say that as much now, mm-hmm. and and that may just have to do with you know the person I live with, or usually live with, although we're apart at the moment. But but um, you know who who does consider herself very much a Buddhist, and you know is is there? Of course, the Buddha didn't consider himself a Buddhist, just like Jesus didn't consider himself a Christian. You know, we put our, we put labels on things, but the question was why. Buddhism, not why be a Buddhist, right? Right. You know, and and th- those are different questions. So it's it's kind of interesting. And when somebody comes into a class, something usually brings them through the door, right? Just just, but that would be the case um, almost in any in any religion, you know, that or any any new practice that there's something you know you've heard about something that makes you curious. And that that makes you think, well, maybe this is what I need, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and needing something. And we're often, we're often, sometimes people like come to a practice because they're too afraid to confront what needs to be confronted very, you know, directly mm-hmm. in their own lives, you know, that, and, and so that's a, always a risk, right? This idea of spiritual bypassing. That said, I think that, you know, oftentimes somebody will come into Buddhist practice or just, yeah, specifically Buddhist practice and and see a truth, understand a truth, and then be able to go back to whatever it was that was confronting them or challenging them or messing up their life. Uh, They can go back to that with one of these truths uh, and we'll get to that in a second, right? And look at it from a different place. And that makes a big difference in a life. 
Yeah, um, yeah. On the other hand, you know, it's like there are aspects of Buddhism, which of course can be found in other traditions, and you know, even in, and certainly in the secular world of mindfulness, depending on how one views it. And if we're seeing Buddhism as a spiritual practice, what does that mean as opposed to, quote, a secular practice? Mm. Well, they may not even be distinct. I mean, yeah. it depends how you look at them. Right. But, I mean, that's sort of, I guess there's going to be a certain draw to, you know, to sort of any practice in the sense that, you know, being involved in a certain kind of practice of some kind can be useful and uh, can give our lives apparent direction. And, I mean, psychological studies, I think, about um, happiness and so on have shown that even just having some practice, no matter what the practice is, is of some benefit in making us happier because it gives us a feeling of, of, of meaning in our lives, a feeling of direction and, you know, doing something. And also being with a community, perhaps, of other people, either, re- you know, actual community or at least a theoretical community in the sense that, right. you know, you, you sort of feel like you're part of some larger um, movement of some kind, perhaps one that's, you know, very old. And so, you're sort of continuing on in a certain kind of tradition. Uh, so, there's lots of that. Um, but that, I mean, to me, those are all ways that, 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 don't, that don't answer the question, why be, you know, why Buddhism? It's just right. sort of why do some tradition instead of nothing, right? Which is another question: is you know why do something rather than nothing? I mean, of course, a lot of people just don't you know don't have any tradition, and that that's fine. Um, so I guess you know I'm sort of thinking the question at least when I hear that question, it, it, I hear it as somebody who doesn't have any particular, as I was, you know, for many years have any particular tradition and not mm-hmm. particularly be interested in it, but, but, you know, sort of asking as a sort of a curious, like sort of, okay, so why, you know, why, sh- you know, not necessarily that they would consider themselves Buddhist, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't, but sort of a cocktail party thing, you know, sort of like, why, you know, okay, what, what's, what's up with your, you know, what's up with your, <laughs> you know, your direction? And, you know, and then there's, you know, there's a number of things that uh, that come to mind for me. I mean, there's no, you know, the part of the problem is everyone's going to have their own background and everyone's going to have their own interests. I mean, to me, Buddhism is interesting and, and sort of uh, it grabs me because there's so much to me that's that seems clearly true when I hear about it. Not not everything, but but so many of the, you know, the, the the key tenets of Buddhism the the interest in and in, in change the I mean change the 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 notion of change being at sort of the heart of the Dharma is sort of like that's the place to put it I mean because the, there is nothing I think more clear in in our experience than than change and the idea of of dukkha of life being difficult and that there's a sense in which there, there are certain kinds of traditions that are, I think, a little bit more overtly optimistic, and you know, everything is is getting better and better. And I think Buddhism has a certain realism about it. It is optimistic. I mean, I think at its heart, it's optimistic, but mm-hmm. it's not. To me, it's not unrealistically optimistic. And and I think the non-self issue, which to a lot of people is confusing and confounding, and may turn them off and make may make them feel like, oh. You know that doesn't seem obvious to me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm unusual, but from a philosophical background, I sort of can't. When I heard that, when I, you know, I guess I first heard that kind of explained to me when I was in college at a 
course in Buddhism, it just clicked for whatever reason. It's like, yes, I mean, and you know, we're learning lots of same things about about the mind in in you know neuroscience and sure. sciences. All of that stuff comes back and back and back. That the self is 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 a construct. It's a kind of a. It, it may be too much to say it's a fiction, but it's a kind of a construct that we that we make moment all the moment. time, moment yeah. to moment. So anyway, all of these are. Yeah. A reason, some of the reasons, and there's a whole practice, which is a different topic. Right. You know, I mean, I think with you know, it's just, just for me, you know, I came to the practices first. Mm-hmm. I came to, you know, and I, I, I think <clears throat> it came at a time in my life uh, when I was, I'd always been sort of looking for something. I just didn't know what. <laughs> and then when I picked up my first book, which was either Thich Nhat Hanh, Miracle of Mindfulness, or Larry Rosenberg's Breath by Breath, I don't remember which, and then Stephen Batchelor's Buddhism Without Beliefs, there was something extraordinarily real and practical and could immediately be brought into my life. Mm-hmm. And then at some point when you become part of a community, it becomes much more than that because you see start to see the value of of community but of course you know most religions are you know based i mean have a community aspect to them but there's something there was something really i i think the difference is that you know at least in terms of my own religious sort of very secular and very reformed jewish upbringing you know, the community was one you would you would show up for certain holidays, or maybe you would show up every every Sabbath, and you would be reading from a book, you know, a prayer book, and you would be he- hearing a sermon. That's very different than sitting in meditation with a group of people. Yeah, um, where where there's no. And this is where the self drops away in a sense. You know, you start to experience that because there's no need to be anyone in those moments because you're simply sitting in silence. And yes, you hear a Dharma talk, but Dharma talks never felt like I was being lectured to. There was just always something very practical. And what always killed me, especially on the initial retreats I went on. How, how did they, you know, it's like, how did they know to give a talk that was specifically about what I was dealing with in that moment, <laughs> you know, and it, that just, you know, that's the nature of Dharma, mm-hmm. right? There is the, the, there's, there's a kernel of truth in every word that relates directly to one's own experience. So it, that, that just sort of made sense. You know, and and it wasn't like, and maybe part of it is because you know I went and came through the door of the insight tradition, which at least in the U.S., where it's not as tied to the monastic tradition as it is elsewhere, it, it was a very easy. I didn't have to give up anything. Yeah. You know, and, and nor did I have to put on robes or take a new name or any of that. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, though at this point, if that happened, I'd be okay with that. You know, but back then, uh, that would have been another matter. Mm-hmm. I did. I never felt like I was being roped into something, right? But rather that I was being drawn to something. You know, and, and drawn to this 
basically drawn drawn to the four noble truths, drawn to the three um, qualities of existence. You know, the, the the these are all so seemingly obvious. Yet the more you look at it, the more you realize not only that yes, they're obvious, but they go much deeper than one might think, and how our practice illuminates that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was sort of like, okay, why Buddhism, and then why become a Buddhist? Right. Yeah. 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 And I, to me, the the becoming a Buddhist is of less yeah. importance. Um, I mean, I think certainly for people. I mean, I you know, I'm, I'm coming from a more secular background, so that that is a less importance to me. I mean, I, I consider myself a secular Buddhist. But the self-identity, I think, is to me is a little bit more problematic. You know, yeah. it's, it's a little bit more clinging to uh, to. I don't a, disagree an, with that. <laughs> uh, to an yeah. identity, um, yeah. which can be, you know, can can set up all kinds of potential conflicts and you know arguments over what you know what is a true Buddhist and all that kind of stuff, which yeah. I think is not yeah. useful. But in any event, uh, you know, what I was talking about before was the the, the sort of belief aspects of it. But the whole other thing, as you point out, is the, is the practice, is the community and the practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time that I sort of came back to to Buddhism, um, after having left it for quite a while, when after you know uh, graduate school, I was sort of involved in what well, I guess you could call secular humanist belief system. And um, secular humanism to me is is a great belief system. I mean. It, I think it's very. I think I think of secular Buddhism as being a kind of secular humanism, uh, but the difference is that that Buddhism has a practice, and secular humanism is just a bunch of beliefs. Mm. And a bunch of beliefs is is very nice, but it you know at the end of the day it's it, it's stale. It's kind of, there's you know there's a certain kind of sterility to just a bunch of beliefs, right? You know, they don't really do anything for, for you. I see, um, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, of course, there's a bunch of ethical beliefs about, you know, what you should and shouldn't do, and that's all good and fine. But, you know, again, ethical beliefs just by themselves are kind of sterile, and if anything, they're preachy, you know. Uh, it's a bunch of shoulds and shouldn'ts. Uh, they may be very true and 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 all the rest, but you can't make your life around that. I mean, people do, <laughs> you know, but there's a small number of people. I just didn't feel that that was enough. And, you know, I had always been interested in, in, in meditation. I think that's another thing is, you know, why Buddhism? Well, part of why Buddhism would be, well, or, you know, try meditation out, see if, you, see if you like it. You know, if I were being asked that in a cocktail party, you know, Okay, why Buddhism? Well, you know, I mean, one of the things that's great in Buddhism is that there's this enormous suite of of meditation practices that you can uh, dive into and and learn a lot from and make part of your life and try them and see if you like them. And to me, I had already been doing those um, and uh, loved them. And that was part of, you know— that was part of why I really, you know, when I got back into it and, and got into the community at New York Insight, which just happened to be a, like I when I got, I got there, I was like, wow, that's really for the same reasons you point to, not being yeah. preachy, not trying to sell you something, but just trying to, you know, discuss the Dharma and, and discuss things that can be helpful, and you know, the fact that meditation is so central to the practice, and there is a practice, you know, right. Yeah, it was just to me was 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 wonderful, and and might be to you know, to somebody who 
you know, was just sort of interested, you know, just sit down and try it, you know, and see what you yeah. like, whether you like it. And what's really interesting is, you know, uh, <clears throat> at the end of an MBSR class, which is in a mindfulness-based stress reduction class, which I teach many of, you know, it, there's no talk of Buddhism. Yeah. Unless somebody asks, you know, I don't bring it in. And yet, at the very end, the last class, I hand out resources. Uh, and, you know, I recommend a number of Buddhist centers because I just say, well, you know, Buddhists meditate. <laughs> and all the practices you learned in this course, you know, you at least in these particular centers, you will feel perfectly comfortable whether you take, you know, to the the tradition of Buddhism or the teachings of Buddhism directly or not. And a lot of those people end up coming and, and then realizing, oh, oh, there's actually a lot here. This really makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's, you know, it's, it's the practicality of it and the, and the ease of it that really made a huge difference to me. And I think after reading, you know, a number of books, the, the book that I, I remember really resonating was Bhante Gunaratna's uh, Eight Steps to Happiness, which was basically on the Eightfold Path, <clears throat> which I read very, very early on. And it just, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is this this makes so much sense. I don't have to change my life per se, but life will change because I take these practices on. You know, I don't have to like immediately become a vegetarian necessarily, you know, uh, that that's not even in the book, <laughs> you know, I don't think although it may be suggested as, as a place to look. but the, So then there's that. And then there's just these other qualities of, of the heart that, again, you know, are certainly present in other traditions, other religious traditions. But the way they are presented in, in Buddhist practices is, is, is so practical. And, and, and we don't think about it necessarily. You don't think about cultivating patience as a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yet actually it is <laughs> or cultivating generosity or any of these qualities that are so key to not being a Buddhist, but being a, as we say, being a Buddha, when that happens, there's like suddenly everything around you changes, I would say. And again, it's not like this can't happen in other traditions. It certainly can and does, but there's something so I guess for lack of a better word, it's so straightforward in Buddhism and in Buddhist practice that it's like, oh, this is what this is what's needed in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean there are other practices from other traditions that are also very useful. Um, I mean, I'm thinking in particular I have some some friends and colleagues who are, you know, really into stoicism and that kind of thing. And stoicism, I mean, early, you know, some of these classical Greek practices such as Stoicism and, and uh, Epicureanism and things, they, they have some wonderful ideas. And a lot of them, you know, I'll often get comments in my videos, oh, this sounds similar to something from Stoicism or something from Epicureanism. And they are. They're very similar. I've done, I mean, I've done some, some actual videos on similarities and differences. I think, to me, the, the biggest difference between a sort of a Buddhist approach why why Buddhism versus why Stoicism or something like that? Uh, well, there are I mean a couple things for me. One one is the depth of the practices um, mm -hmm. within Stoicism, within 
any of these classical Greek kind of approaches, which, again, uh, nothing, I mean, they're great, um, and you can learn a lot from them, and, and I love reading some of the, the the passages from Marcus Aurelius or whatever, which really resonate um, a lot of the sim- similar kinds of ideas, but there's no formal dedicated practice that you like the, like you find in Buddhism. I mean, the Buddha really did spend his entire teaching career formulating a practice, a path, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Eightfold Path, um, this idea of different forms of meditation, deep meditation, mindfulness meditation, all this kind of stuff, which is, came out of the Indian tradition uh, that he, I mean, the Buddha didn't, right. you know, didn't... He didn't invent anything. Didn't invent any of this. Well, he may have invented some aspects of it. There's questions about whether he first came out with mindfulness and so on and so on. But uh, separate that, the you know, the, the meditation tradition was already in India. The meditation tradition of that kind was not in Greece, and so you don't have this kind of right. deep path of practice where you have a, a real, you know, the, the Buddha talks about this gradual path leading from here to enlightenment. You don't have that in, in ancient Greece. You just have what end up being a lot of very good, but very intellectual kinds of reasoning approaches to life, which are also part of Buddhism, but, you know, you don't have... And the other aspect, I think, is the non-self, which to me, again, resonates very deeply, and you don't find in ancient Greece. But for again, for a lot of people, it's a little confusing, and, and you know, so, but that's, I think that's another thing, because other people may be interested in similar, but I have nothing against those yeah, traditions. Yeah, yeah, or, you know. yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, familiar enough with them, but but in many ways, and it's, the, you know, it, it, it seems more... At, at least at first, intellectually driven or cognitively driven. They are, yeah. Um, versus, you know, really experientially driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're, I mean, to be fair to them, I mean, they are cognitive, but they're they're certainly, they come from a place of, I think, deep awareness of the present state of life. And many mm. of their uh, conclusions, not all of them, but many of them are very, very similar or identical to the conclusions you find in hmm. in, in Buddhism. You know about the nature of life and the right. and the problems of hatred and the problems of greed, and the the benefits of of calm and the benefits of peace and the you know these kinds of things. Yeah, you know I think it's it's you know when at the beginning of every retreat uh, we usually you know take the three refuges, and and in many cases that's what what it takes to quote become a Buddhist is just you know taking the refuges. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> and for those unfamiliar, the refuges are Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. And the way I usually introduce that is that there's the historical Buddha when you're taking refuge in the historical Buddha, but really what you're taking refuges, refuge in is the capacity for awakening within I- you. <laughs> you know, so you're taking refuge there. And the Dharma, you know, when we take refuge in the Dharma, we're taking refuge not only in the literal teachings but just in the nature of truth (laughs) and then we take refuge in the sangha the community and and that community is not only the community of that moment that you're sitting with but the historic community and and you know sort of and again you know that community is present in almost every religious tradition but i don't know that we necessarily consider taking refuge in in community it's 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 a different i mean there's a there's a support that comes with that you know i've talked about this before that even 
in an online situation, when you're sitting with 20, 30, 40 people all together, there's something felt in that, even when you're not in the same room. And that's very powerful. And, and I think when people first experience that, it's like, oh, yeah, this is something, you know, I want, I want more of. <laughs> yeah, I think it's better in person, I must say. But. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, um, I mean, I'm surprised at how successful, how, how powerful it is online, too. It's just different. Yeah. It's just different. Mm -hmm. So, why Buddhism? <laughs> it's practical. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> and it's experiential, really. But and you know, I mean, it's not for everybody. I also think we should yeah. make that clear that oh, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. At least from my point of view, uh, want to yeah. say that that oh, everyone must or should become a Buddhist. I mean, it's, right. I think it just sort of depends on not not everybody's ready for it. Not everybody's yeah. going to be confident or comfortable with it, and that's fine. Right. So we don't get a percentage of every person that comes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's only with no. the coffees that we get. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for that reminder. Someone very nicely bought us twenty cups of coffee last week. That's I was really sweet. stunned. Yeah. yeah, it you know brought me jitters, but you know it's okay. <laughs> you didn't drink them all at once. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. If you want to support this show, and we hope you do, you know, you can go to our website, digintheDharma dot com, and buy us some coffee, which we will not drink all at once. No. Or become a member and buy, yeah. buy us coffee every month. That's also appreciated. So this has been interesting and helpful, I hope. Yeah. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, you can leave comments at the website as well. Until next time, keep digging the Dharma. Thanks, John. All right. Take care, Doc. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your podcast directory. And please check us out at digginthedharma.com where you can leave a comment buy us a coffee, and even become a member. You can find out more about me, John Aaron, at johnaaron.net, and Doug at dougsdharma.com.